Turn with me again to the book of Genesis. There's just a lovely sense of the Lord there. Could have worshipped all night there. Gary, thank you. Book of Genesis, please, chapter 2. Excuse my voice, it's a wee bit... Keep it off. <clears throat> and let's your eye run down to verse 21, please. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman. And brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. My text tonight will be in verse 25. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Let us pray. Father, again, shut us in with thine own self. And Lord, cause your word to stir us up. Lord, may your Holy Spirit take your own word and strike it deep into our hearts and into our being. And if there be one, Lord, who has not yet come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that you would impart to them all that they need to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. We think of Jim and Gladys away to... Take that other meeting, Lord. We ask you to encourage them, to anoint them. And Lord, you'd be with them as they bring your word there also. May souls be saved. Father, we worship you and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Bearing the image and the likeness of God. It'll be part three, but it'll be different. But I'll do a little recap. God takes the dust of the earth and he forms man, he forms Adam. Now we've looked at this in detail and I'm sure Denise will maybe run you off a copy of the other two if, if you speak nicely to her and you'll be able to keep up the speed. But God takes that dust of the earth and he distresses it as the way the Hebrew reads. He distresses the, the dust and today you would call it that uh, the, the different particles in man, the different uh, DNA of man, is it was distressed and comes together and God forms a man. Adam is made by Almighty God and Adam is placed in the garden. Adam is king of the earth, as it were. You know, today is the coronation anniversary of, of Queen Elizabeth II, our queen. And may God save the queen. And today, uh, 60 years ago, she ascended the throne. Well, here was a day when Adam, as it were, ascended the human realm of the throne. And Adam was king of the earth, as it were, under Elohim, 
the great creator God. And of course we have looked at how Adam became a living soul when God had breathed into his nostrils. And we're told in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 about mankind. It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Notice, in our image after our likeness. And so many people tend to think that because you and I have two eyes, a nose and a mouth and two ears and two arms, legs and feet and toes, all those things, that God must be some sort of wee man up in the sky or up in the outer space somewhere, for we are made in him, his image. The word does not give this idea, but that because God is a living being, because God is a person or a, or with a seat of emotions and appetites and passions, he has an activity of the mind, he has the will and the character. He's a passionate being and because God is passionate and because God is this living being, so he makes us in his image. That's why men and women are not saved, but yet they can still love. Adolf Hitler was able to love his own. Think about it. People can love their own, but love not none others and be the cruelest, vilest, most wickedest of people. And we see here where God wanted man to fellowship with him, to be in his image. In other words, the will, the person who you are inside of you, the person you are who when you think, when you make decisions, when you have a will, the person you are who feels things, who loves, who gives, who takes. That's the way God is. God is the great eternal spirit. And we are made in his image. We are like him in the sense that we have will, feeling, mind, emotions, appetites and passions. Now we have looked at God breathed into man's nostrils and he became a living soul or a, a living nefesh. And the living nefesh also gives the idea that this man, he has, in other words, you and I, we don't have a soul, we are a soul. You are the person inside of you who's looking out through your eyes and looking towards the pulpit. The person inside of you who hears the word of God the person inside you who's thinking other things. The person inside of you who's looking for help from the word of God. The person inside of you right now who is listening to the word. That is you, the real man, the real woman. You are a living nefesh. And that nefesh is what God loves. God loves you. God loves you and he says, let us make man in our image. Notice, after our likeness. In other words, Adam was to take dominion of the earth. And walk in fellowship with God every day. And the closer and the more that he walked with God in the garden. So he would hear the voice of God. And so he would hear the word of God. And so he would obey the voice and the word of God. And so he would become after God's likeness. In the sense that he would draw near and close to God. And have that sense of godliness about him. 
taking dominion. He names the animals. God brings along the animals, says, name them Adam. In other words, so Adam could could see if there was a, a suitable partner for him. And after seeing all the animals, there was no suitable partner for God, as we said before, God did not allow bestiality in his kingdom. So God takes a woman from his side. In other words, he takes his side, he forms or makes a woman. The word is he builded a woman. She was well put together. He builded a woman for Adam. And Adam is brought, or this woman rather, is brought to Adam. And God presents the woman to Adam. Notice, even as we said before, that God was jealous. God was passionate for his creation. God was jealous and passionate with a godly jealousy. The love of God chased Adam. In other words, Adam could not go to heaven to God, but God came from heaven to Adam. And he walked with Adam in the cool of the day, talking to him. And Adam, the more he was in the presence of God, the more Adam would be like God in the sense that he would be godly. He would have dominion and he would have fellowship. Eve, the woman that is made or builded, is brought to Adam and Adam says in our reading, he says in verse 23, This is thy bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh and she shall be called woman. Or man with a womb. Now take note of that. Especially in the days we're living in. When sodomy and homosexuality is declared as normal. It was a man with a womb in the sense that it was a totally different person. That was suitable for Adam. Man and woman. Not man and man. He says, this woman is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. For she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. So here we have a lovely story. Here we have a, a beautiful picture of Adam and Eve in the kingdom of God on earth, as it were. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And they are there to, for a plan and a purpose to dominate the earth. We're told that the old serpent comes along. guides Eve in chapter 3. But look what it says in verse 25 of chapter 2. Before sin enters the garden. Before The devil comes, as it were, before the serpent comes along. It says, and they were both naked. That is Adam and Eve. They were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Notice that. That's very important. Before the sin, before the devil got at them, before the devil came and and lured Eve, and before Adam, it was Adam's fault. He should have listened to the Lord. Brethren, sometimes you have to listen to the Lord rather than your wife even. Here we have Adam and Eve naked. 
and they're not ashamed. The age of innocence before sin came into the earth. The age of innocence in the Garden of Eden. They are naked and they are not ashamed. Here we have the company of the unashamed. The devil does tempt in chapter 3 and we know that uh, they, they fall and they sin. Look what it says in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7. It says, And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. Now one minute they had no shame, and now they have shame. Their eyes are opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. They tried to cover that which was innocent. They tried to cover that which was natural. They tried to cover that which God had made. And they tried to cover their sin. Notice. Verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God. Walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Amongst the trees of the garden. Now I see if you were to read that. It gives the idea that they not only hear the voice of God coming. One chapter we're reading that Adam is fellowshipping with God in the cool of the day. He can't wait to be in the presence of God. He loves the presence of God. He desires the presence of God. But now because of sin it separates him. And what happens? He hides from the presence of God. The word presence here gives the idea of the face of God. Think about this. He hid from the face of God. He was standing before Almighty God. And when the face of God came after the voice of God. The voice is shouting in the garden for fellowship. And they're hiding, trying to cover themselves because they are naked. After the voice comes the face. The word and then the presence. That's the way the gospel is. Think about it. That's the way the gospel is. There is the the voice of God and his word. The voice of God in the gospel. The voice of God when it's preached. The voice of God when it's taught. And then someday we will stand in his presence. But at this place, they who once fellowship with God and loved to fellowship with God now find themselves hiding from God. They were fearful and they were ashamed. Ashamed. And they were hiding. Are you ashamed? Are you in the company of the unashamed? Or are you in the company... Of the ashamed. They were both naked. The man and his wife. And were not ashamed. Here's the thing. When we are like the image of God. We have certain morals. And that's why our nation. That's why the world in general. 
That's why we even see things that are being passed in government at this present time. That's why we see those who are in our government who have murdered our loved ones. That's why we see all sorts of manner of heinous people ruling our nation and our lands, making all sorts of abominable laws. That's why we see it. You know why? Because man's moral quality and fiber has fallen. That's why. Because they're away from God. Man's moral quality and fiber in Adam had fallen. And so he may be in the image. Remember, Noah after the flood and his family were told. Where men were still in the image of God. In the sense they felt they had passion. But after the likeness of God had gone. In other words, the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. The fellowship with the Savior. Had it all gone? Do you know one of the greatest moves of God outside the day of Pentecost. And outside the Protestant Reformation in church history. In our nation particularly was when the Wesley brothers were preaching. You know what they preached? Sanctification. A church set apart for God. A church who are linked to the Holy Spirit. A church who are in touch with God. Who live the holiness of life. Who have fire burning in their breast. That was the church that the Wesleys preached about. It saved Britain from a, a fate such as the French Revolution. Sadly, the church has no longer got the fire and the sanctification. Neither do they believe in the authority of God's written word. Neither do they believe who they are in Christ, nor are they taught anymore who they are in Christ, justified and righteous in him. And no longer do they know who they are, that they may take dominion where they are. See, we lost that. The church has lost that. Here, Adam and Eve have fallen. And that image of God is still there in the sense they have a quality of morals. But as I said before, your morals may be higher than mine. Or my morals may be higher than yours. That's why some people think it's okay to do some things. And others think it's okay to do other things. And other people will turn their nose up at you. And you may turn your nose down at them. And that's the reason we all have different standards of morals. And so it falls. But when we are born again of the Spirit. When a man and a woman are saved. The Holy Ghost enters their mortal flesh. The Holy Ghost quickens them. And that which is in the image of God is brought into communion and into fellowship with God. And through the reading, the teaching, the preaching and the acting upon the word of God, we then can take dominion in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who we are, church. That's who you should be, church. That's who I am, church. We need to start believing in what Christ has already done when he died on the cross of Calvary for you and me. Here we have, they are naked and they were not ashamed. You know, you get a couple of children, wee babies especially. I say children mean babies. 
You know when you're changing their nappy, they don't say, excuse me, turn your head. They don't say, uh, don't change my nappy if I could speak your way. I, I, they don't, don't change my, my nappy because there's people in the room, as it were. They don't say that. You know why? They're innocent in the sense that they have no moral quality before men. They, they're so innocent, but when they grow up, that's why we know that you wouldn't come out tonight without your suit on or your jeans on. Moral depravity of man has fallen. That's why we need our nation back to God. That's why we need the church back to God. That's why we need to be in touch with Almighty God. God gave Israel the Ten Commandments. You know what for? To show us our sin? Absolutely yes. They were ten moral commandments. Moral commandments. And every one of them showed how you and I would fail. Every one of the ten commandments, you and I would fail in them. Well, I haven't killed anybody, but I'm sure you've murdered somebody in your heart. I've never committed adultery, but I'm sure that you've looked at somebody with lust. I've never stolen. I'm sure you've used a phone call that it was your boss's line. You and I are sinning every day, and yet we do not know it. But Christ kept the Ten Commandments. That you and I in Christ would be found righteous and justified before God. Here we have the Ten Commandments that tell you and I how far away we really have fallen from God. The Ten Morals of God. Adam, or man as it were, he bears the image of God. The word image is the word selem. And as I said, it gives the idea of the, the emotion, the appetites, the will, the compassion that we have. Such is God. Can you think for a moment then, if you at times feel grieved at someone turning you away or rejection, or if someone was to slander your name, the, the rejection and the hurt of it, can you imagine how Almighty God feels when he looks at a people who don't want to worship him. When he looks at a people whom he has bought with his blood. Who are ashamed of him to say I love you Lord. Can you sense in your own being how you would feel. How does the Lord feel when you and I. When you and I ignore him all week and come out in our Sunday best. How does the Lord feel in his own being when you and I are wondering all week where we're going to next when God says, come on to me? We need to be made after his likeness again. That he would come and fellowship with us. Can you imagine what it must be like when our Lord looks at Great Britain, United States of America, and all the nations, but it's picking art. Can you imagine what it must be like in the face of God when people all around this village and in the Belfast and all over these islands, can you just imagine what God sees? He sees men and women needing saved. He sees men and women and he loves them. Yes, you may be right in that. 
But let me tell you, what he sees when he sees gay pride parades, when he sees the redefinition of marriage, when he sees men and women committing murder and incest, when he sees men and women doing these things, men and women claim their human rights. What about the rights of God? How does God feel as a living being who is passionate and loves? And do you think, do you think that there will be no wrath for the Christ rejecter? Do you feel and think honestly in your heart That living person who you are, inside with your own rationale, do you honestly, rationally not think that God would pour out his wrath after the giving of his son to those who are ashamed of him in this life? Adam and Eve hide in the garden. They're unashamed now. They are ashamed. And the seed of emotions which was their soul, their appetites now desire different things but he has lost the influence which makes him after the likeness of God see the word likeness it's the word demuth and it means the fashion to be fashioned like God to be in the similitude of God in other words Adam was a perfect being and God wanted to love him and him to love God back again. Take dominion, Adam. Look what I've given you. And one silly mistake brings original sin into this world. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 25 says, And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. As I said, by the time we read Genesis 3 and verse 10, the Lord comes into the garden, the voice of the Lord's crying, Where art thou? Adam, where art thou? Now God knew where they were. God knows exactly where you are. And God knew where they were. What God wanted was for Adam to come out from his hiding, to come out and stand before him in repentance and to admit his own guilt. Adam, where are you? And Adam's hiding. You know, God must have at one time have said, where art thou? And he hasn't come out. And where art thou? And he hasn't come out. And God must have at one time just turned around and said, Adam, no, you're there. Come out. I get when your children are in the house and they're maybe hiding somewhere. And as a wee boy, I hated going to bed and I used to climb up the back of the settee. And I thought if I waited long enough and quietly enough, my mum and dad would forget about me. Now, how do you forget about your children when you're putting them to bed? But they knew where I was. They were going, where is he? I wonder where Kenneth could be. Don't call me Kenneth now. I wonder where Kenneth could be. And I'm going, see, they don't know where I am. They knew exactly where I was. Suddenly they went, right, come on, get out. It's time to go to bed. You've had your fun. Adam, where are thou? And Adam's in hiding. Adam is in hiding. In verse 10, listen, Adam says, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. 
I was naked and I hid myself. Verse 11, the Lord turns to him and says, Who told thee that thou was naked? How did you know? Friend, how will you know your sin? Nakedness and sin are now coupled together in Scripture. I'll say it again. Nakedness and sin are now coupled together in Holy Writ in Scripture. The Lord says, who told thee that I was naked? How did you know, Adam? I didn't make you like that. I didn't want that for you. I didn't place you in the garden like that. Who told thee that I was naked? This man has been in hiding. He's been ashamed. He's went from the unashamed to the ashamed. And ever since he tries to cover his sin, he tries to cover his nakedness by running and hiding away from God instead of running to him in repentance. They are ashamed of the Lord. Listen to what the Lord Jesus says in Luke chapter 9 and verse 26. Listen to his words. For whosoever shall be Ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, he said. Now we are hearing the words of the Lord. We are trusting the voice of the Spirit is speaking to our hearts tonight. And we are hearing his words knowing that someday, whether it's today or whatever day, he is coming again. And when he says he's coming, he means he's coming. He's coming in glory. He's coming in his Father's glory. And he's going to fill the sky with myriads and myriads of angels. And you will see his face. But are you in the company of the ashamed? Are you in the company of the unashamed? He says, Whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. Do you know when you get saved? I'm talking about when someone really gets saved. I'm talking about when somebody really gets saved. Why would you say when somebody really gets saved? Well, if you're saved, you're saved. That's true. But when you're really saved, you're really saved. In other words, people say, I'm saved, and they live like a devil. Are you saved? Are you really? You're not in the likeness of God. Dead in spirit, are you saved? For when a man and a woman truly are touched by the spirit of God, they can never be the same again. Are you saved? When a man and a woman are truly saved... I mean, truly saved. We sang tonight, I'm saved, and I know that I am. When a man and a woman are absolutely, truly saved by grace through faith alone, that man and that woman are unashamed to be associated with the Nazarene. They're unashamed. To tell the world that they love him. 
They are unashamed to tell their family, unashamed to tell their neighbours. They're unashamed to say his word in public places. You are unashamed because you're so overwhelmed with love for the Saviour. I love him. Paul talks about the foolishness of preaching that God uses it to save some. And that's what God does use because many think that the preacher is just a fool. Well, I'm a fool for Christ. And I'm unashamed. I'm unashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 1 and 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Nobody says, I am, not, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. See what you're hearing tonight? It's the dunamis, the power, the dynamite of God. This word of God, this gospel is dynamite. In other words, there's spiritual explosions going off all around this house tonight. There's spiritual explosions going off in your heart tonight. There's spiritual explosions going off in your mind tonight. And it's to make you after the likeness of God. That's what the gospel's about. God loved his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, so much. He wants to make millions more of us like him. To make you more godly in your ways and in our walk. And to save those that are lost. Listen to Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. Just a little snippet from it. Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. Paul speaks of a hope that maketh not ashamed. In other words, people say, what if you get saved and this isn't true? Or what if I was to give my life to Jesus and oh, uh, things wouldn't change for me. My, my heart just would, I wouldn't be able to keep it. You know, when you're really, truly saved, you don't keep it. He keeps you. His grace keeps you. He keeps you. And it is a hope that maketh not ashamed. See the hope I have in my breast. I could go to the grave before Christ returns. And if that's the Lord's will, then that's the Lord's will. But whether I meet him in the air or whether I am brought out from under the sod, whatever way the hope that is in my breast of the word of God abiding in me, I know that my hope in Christ will never be ashamed. I know he will raise me up at the last day. Romans 9 and 33 and chapter 10 and 11 Speaks of a stumbling stone in Zion. Speaking of the Lord Jesus. And it says of those. Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. That our salvation is secure. When you come to Christ. You're in the company of the unashamed. Christ will never let you down. Christ will never leave you nor forsake you. Christ will not say to you. Okay you're saved now do your best. He doesn't say well. Maybe you'll get into heaven someday. Christ, when he saves you, he keeps you through faith and by the power of God. And he will never make you ashamed. Your hope is secure in the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. For I am not ashamed... 
For I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able. Not you. That he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. In other words, Paul says, look, I'm not ashamed of the Christ who died for me. I'm not ashamed for the one who shed his blood. And I'm not ashamed of the one who rose again and ascended into glory. And I'm not ashamed to say that I love him and serve him and follow him. And my hope will never be ashamed. My salvation shall never be ashamed. I am in the company of the unashamed saints of God. That's what Paul's saying. He says, for I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. That's what Paul's saying. Not ashamed. Are you in the company of the unashamed? Unashamed of Jesus. Hebrews 2 verses 9 to 11. Listen to this. But we see Jesus. Who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. Crowned with glory and honor. That he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things. And bringing many sons to glory. It's not lovely. Listen to what he says. The one who made the heavens. And the one who made the earth. And the one who made the creation. And the one who brought Adam to name them. And found no partner. And the one who brought Adam's side out. And built a woman. And brought her to Adam. And the one who called in the garden. Adam where art thou? He says he's the one who died on the tree. And he's bringing many sons to glory. He's bringing many. Now look, he's not bringing every body to glory. He's bringing many sons to glory. Who are the sons? To them that believe, to them give he the power to become the sons of God. John 1 and verse 12. He is bringing me to glory tonight. He's bringing me to the kingdom. He's bringing me to his presence. He's bringing me. I'm not bringing myself. Jesus is bringing me. Are you going to glory? For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things and bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Listen to this. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause, I think this is lovely, he is not ashamed to call them brethren. You know what that one, the sanctification is? Those of us who have trusted in him, are born again of the spirit and washed in the blood. And those who are made after his likeness, every day sanctified, every day walking with him, every day praying, every day in a place of worship, every day in the house of God, every day when we're just getting before him and all pouring out our hearts before him, every day we are sanctified by him and his spirit and his word. He's bringing us to glory and he says, and those ones, those sanctified ones, he says, they're all of one for which cause Christ is not ashamed. He's not ashamed of me tonight. 
I'm ashamed of many things I've done. Ashamed of it. But he's not ashamed of me. He's not ashamed of you. You know why? Because he paid your price. He cried it as finished. Paid in full. And when he looks at you through faith, when he looks at you through his blood, you're righteous in his sight. He's not ashamed. He's not ashamed to call me brother. He's my brother tonight. He's my big brother. I've never had a big brother. I always was the big brother. But I have a big brother. You have a big brother. My big brother is in the glory. My big brother is praying for me. You know when you're in school and you used to be able to say, well, I didn't. If you had a big brother, say, I got my big brother for you. I couldn't say it because I didn't have a big brother. Maybe said, I get my big brother for you. I could have said, I get my big sister for you. It's a window too. Or Elaine, yeah? Maybe say, I get my big brother for you. I didn't have a big brother, but I'll tell you. See, now, anybody comes to me, I'll say, hold on, I got my big brother for you. And boy, what a big brother. He's not ashamed to call me brother, to call you his brother. He's my big brother. And guess what? Big brother's coming back. I'm closing. Listen to what Augustine says. Christ's majesty is not compromised by his brotherhood with men. God makes sons of men sons of God because God hath made the son of God the son of man. (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? In other words, what he's saying is he's always the eternal God. He is always the great eternal God. But yet he's my brother. And he's yours if you're his. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 28 says, Now little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence, notice, and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Adam and Eve heard the voice. He says, we hid when we heard thy voice. They hid from his presence, from his face. And when Christ returns, because we are in him, we shall not be ashamed before him at his coming. If Jesus came tonight, are you saved? Would you be ashamed? Because if you stand before him, you'll stand in your sin. You'll stand in your nakedness. What about you, preacher? What are you starting your nakedness? No, I won't. I'm clothed with the righteousness of Christ. I've got my garments on when the bridegroom cometh. Will your robes be white, pure and white in the blood of the Lamb? I have the robes of righteousness of Christ on me. No, I'll not be naked. I'll be clothed in him. But if you're not saved, you'll be naked before him. And all of your deeds... And all of your ways, and all of your sins, and all of your commandment breaking, and all of your transgressions will be displayed before you. And you will be pronounced guilty as charged. And they will say, depart from me. I knew you not. Oh boy, sobering isn't it? Will you come to him tonight? Would you say, tonight's the night I need to get saved? For the moment you come in repentance and faith to him, 
He washes you by faith in his blood. You're forgiven off your sin. He clothes you with his righteousness. He brings you into fellowship. And oh, you're one of the sons bound for glory. In Jesus' name. God bless us tonight. The Lord bless his word to our hearts.